Welcome to the New Songs 5 Gen podcast. Hey family, thank you for joining us again today on New Songs 5 Gen podcast. This is Billy. Um, and today we get to sit down and visit with my really good friend and mentor, Pastor Michael Epperson. So first of all, I want to thank you guys for um, having the patience while I walk through this this month. Um, before I could do the podcast, God wanted me to go through the book of Ecclesiastes. And, and it took me about eight or nine times to figure out that right in the very first verse or chapter is what he wanted me to, to focus on. And so thank you very much for um, your patience. But without going through that, um, I don't think I would have been ready for this podcast. And so it's been it's been an honor to work alongside Mike and learn from him all things ministry and all things baseball. If you if you know Mike, um, you know, he's got a lot of knowledge stored in his brain about <laughs> baseball. Um, he's always ready to laugh and have good conversations with people, but he's absolutely not scared to walk through life with others. And so that is really cool watching and learning how to um, do ministry uh, from him. So today we're going to talk about a similar experience that he and I both had. Um, so we, uh, I grew up in North Dakota. He grew up in another state and this was years apart that we both had this life experience. Um, but to be able to see the difference between how having a relationship with God, um, ultimately impacts that experience is what we're going to talk about today. So thank you for joining us and let's go talk with Mike. Well, hi, Mike. Hi. How's it going today, Billy? Oh, not too bad. Um, Hopefully it actually rains today. Yeah, just no baseball size hail. (laughs) We haven't gotten that in years, so I'm pretty sure we're safe. Yeah, we will see. But I'm hoping. (laughs) yeah (laughs) right i'm in charge of paying for two cars now (laughs) yeah you just got married yeah a couple months ago how's crazy how's that life treating you good i mean i think i was talking to a buddy last night who got married last year and we were just talking about how like everybody's like oh it's so hard it's so difficult i'm like it really isn't i mean we dated for like five years before we got married so we knew each other but it's like yeah, you got to stay on top of things to keep it, like, moving forward. But at the same time, it's, like, it's not actually that hard if you just communicate. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not It's not hard without communication. Yeah. Of course, That's... this is coming from someone who's less than three months in. <laughs> well, um, from a 17-year-old vet, you're right. Right. <laughs> just communicate. That's the big thing. Communicate always. So, so, so tell me about yourself. Um, so I was born in Evansville, Indiana. That's a fact that not a lot of people know about me because I don't claim Indiana because my family lived in Kentucky for a year and I was born across the river um, in Indiana, the muddy Ohio River. If you ever see the Ohio River, you can't see anything in the Ohio River because oh. it's just muddy. So it looks like the Red River. Yes, very, very much so. And so um, I was born in Evansville, Indiana, and then we moved back to Washington where my family's from. My parents both graduated from our small town in Washington called Stanwood. Um, and I grew up there. It's about the size, if you're in North Dakota, um, population-wise, it's the size of Mandan. Um, but if you compare North Dakota 
capacity to Washington State capacity is the size of like New Salem. So oh, wow. it basically like you knew everybody. I was a third generation graduate from that high school. Like my grandpa wow. graduated there in 36. My dad graduated there in 76 and I graduated in 2011. So nice. yeah, so everybody knew everybody, all my teammates, their parents <laughs> went to school with my parents and things like that. And so, um, yeah, not so a was, lot of room to get into trouble. No, no, I had, there was one time, cause I'm not sure what the rules are here, but when you get your license in Washington, it has to go six months before you can drive anybody who's not related to you. Oh, wow. Or else you can get in trouble. And so I never got pulled over with a friend in my car, but I had friends in my car and it seemed like my mom would always find out. <laughs> and I had one of my youth leaders say, why would you do anything? Do you remember that you live in a box called Stanwood? Right. And so, yeah. And it was always like my mom's friends like, oh man, like we ran into Mike at the grocery store with his friend, John. And she's like, oh, did you? Or like, <laughs> oh, it was so nice of Mike to like drive. Oh, was he like, that's so nice. And so I was like, I was just being nice, but that didn't work. You know, I've so. come to find out with my 17 year old, that's how it works here in Bismarck too. Yep. Like, yep. He doesn't get away with much. No. No, I'm pretty <laughs> sure my mom was praying like, don't let him get away with anything because yep. he didn't. I wasn't a wild child, but <laughs> even if I had been, I probably would have gotten in way more trouble because I wanted to get out. No, I was think I was too afraid to do anything oh, because yeah. I'd get in trouble and I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to get away with anything. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I grew up in, in Washington and then took a year off after, uh, after high school mm -hmm. and moved to Southern California when I was... I just turned 19 and uh, went to uh, what's now called Life Pacific University, which is a Christian school for the Foursquare movement. And uh, yeah, went there for three years. A little bit of a change going from Farmtown, Washington to L.A. Oh, well, bet. 30, 30 minutes east of L.A. Um, million people everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and we were in a drought then, too. I know Bismarck's going through a drought. Back then, like, L.A. was massive drought. Oof. which i mean it's the middle of the desert too, did you ever so. get stuck in any of the fires or anything no thankfully we weren't i mean we could see them sometimes like you could see spots or like places where people would go hike which weren't that far away got like burned out there used to be a there was this one place where everybody would go hike at least once because at the top was like this cross that like overlooked one of the valleys i got turned around in la so quick because you turn a street and you're in a different city oh um yeah they're just like Wow. Like within within five miles of where the school was, you could be in five different cities. Oh my goodness. And the only way to tell it is that each city had a different color street sign. So oh. like we were in San Dimas and that was uh that one was brown street signs. Then Glendora was like green street signs and then West Covino was like blue street signs. I probably have these backwards or like upland was you know so they're all just different so the only way that you knew was that the street signs changed color oh boy <laughs> i so, would get lost there i don't yeah. pay attention to street signs yeah it's just i know i don't know if that was i mean i'm sure it's intentional but a lot of people didn't recognize that i just recognize these weird patterns but <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a second that's a different street sign <laughs> and so no um but yeah this cross like that burned and so everybody's like oh super bummed like they couldn't go walk oh, up to man. it yeah the one time i went up there it was fun but we got stuck coming down in the dark and one of the girls like twisted her ankle pretty bad oh. so somebody had to like we had to like carry her down the hill <laughs> so i was like yeah hiking's not my thing but then i ended up here after college um and just kind of got placed here 
got told to interview here at New Song in Bismarck. Mm -hmm. And uh, I told God while I was in school, because when you get to school, especially a Bible school, like everybody's super spiritual, which isn't a bad thing. But everybody kind of is like, well, when I get done, I'm going to go to this place and do this and this and this. And I'm like, I feel like that's kind of putting God in a box sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so I literally would say, like, God, if you want me to go to Kansas, I'll go to Kansas. I ended up in North Dakota. <laughs> I said Kansas because I thought it was the middle of nowhere. Um, this and then he moved here. might be a little more of the middle of nowhere. But, yeah, so moved here in 2015. And here we are six years later. Pretty Married. Crazy. Married, almost with a house. Almost with a house next month at some point. House. Right. And now I got to become a homeowner, figure out how to fill a yard and buy a fence. Fences are expensive. Oh, yes. Very much. Yeah, but I don't want to have... I want a dog, but I can't have a dog without a fence. Like, I just feel mm -hmm. like it's good to just let him out. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, you've had a lot of change in your life. Yes. All the way up from small town Stanwood to LA and then and then Bismarck. And then Bismarck. And realistically, like Bismarck is like my city that I grew up in times like five to ten. And so I oh. like the feel of it. There you go. The the one thing with Bismarck is that like my city you could like drive forty five minutes and get whatever you wanted. Mm -hmm. Here you gotta drive like three hours. But well, yeah. you know, other than that, I love it. <laughs> <clears throat> Unless you live in Bismarck. Right, exactly. And you got it covered. And then we've got Amazon too, so Yeah. You know, except Washington is Amazon one day shipping. Oh yeah. Everywhere. You know, so nice. Dang it. Although we are still getting a going. place of Fargo, so I don't know if that'll get us one-day shipping or if that'll still get us two-day shipping. Getting like an Amazon distribution center in Fargo. It's gigantic. Nice. It's by the airport. We drove by it on our way to the air show. Oh, my really? goodness. Really? I did not even notice that when I was in Fargo. It is huge. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So how about your family? Yeah. You have a sister. I do have a sister. She is two years older than me, so she just turned 30, which makes me feel old. I mean, I'm not as old as she is, but those moments <laughs> of, like, I still remember when we were high school or kids and, you know, so 30 years old. Um, and, yeah, she's uh, living back in Stanwood and doing some cool stuff with her, her degree as um, – archivist and stuff oh and so wow she, she loves history and things like that and so she's working to get a position in there that field that's awesome uh, yeah so um and then then my mom is uh she is a fireball um <laughs> for lack of a better term i love her um she sometimes is a bull in the china shop but mm -hmm. it's a good thing right i, I didn't quite get that personality but <laughs> Um, no, she's great and kind of keeps me in line, keeps me in check. We've been really good friends my whole life, but especially probably the last 10 years, we've developed into more friends than anything. And so have a really good conversation. She, but she lives back home. And so it's actually my grandma, my mom, and my sister all live in the same house. Oh, nice. So three generations. Three generations in there. And when myself and my wife went there in last, last summer, before we were married, there were five of us in a three-bedroom house. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I slept on the couch, and it was like the hottest I'd ever seen Western Washington, and yeah. nobody has air conditioning in Western oh, Washington. Oh, no. So it was like 98 degrees, and we're right on the water, so it was a heavy 98 degrees. 
like oh. damp and oh that was Ew. Awful. and your wife does not like heat <laughs> <No>. <laughs> oh, poor so girl she's like in her own room like just fans everywhere <laughs> and, yeah so so the house is a little crowded if you get five people but it seems like three people work out great there so, right exactly yeah. exactly so the part <clears throat> of the podcast that we wanted to talk about was um coming out of ecclesiastes and it's talks about um seasons of change but more importantly about um the overall kind of feel of ecclesiastes to me is how doing life without god is worthless Mm -hmm. it's only when it's only when we have god is when it is meaningless and you and i have something in common um and the fact that both of our dads have passed away between what 20 22 and 23 years ago yeah um and kind of just watching the difference between it, I kind of wanted to parallel it for everyone because yeah. obviously I was 11, you were seven. Um, and when, when your dad died, you had a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. When my dad died, I didn't know who God was. Right. And so obviously we both struggled yeah. through it. Like I, <clears throat> my first reaction when my mom told me that our dad had passed away was I got up and got ready for school. And I was like... I can't sit here. Right. I need to have my brain going. So when you, obviously your your, um, was yours was a little bit different. Yeah. Like you actually got to sit at the hospital. Mine right. Frozen a storm. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and I've always kind of. I mean, we'll, I'll talk about that story a little bit, but I've always kind of like wondered, like, would I have appreciated it being sudden mm-hmm. instead of drawn out? Like, it wasn't super drawn out, but it was drawn out enough to where it's like, there's hope, there's not hope, there is hope, there is. And I'm like, I wish we would have just like, I mean, it's probably bad to say, but I wish it was something sudden to where it's like, okay, like, Mm -hmm. I don't have to remember that. Because, so my dad was sick his whole life. So when he was born, he, he had like renal failure when he was a baby. And like, I can't remember, but like super weak bones and had tons of surgeries like i grew up like my dad didn't have a belly button because it was sewn up in a surgery oh wow so like and he had these he had a kidney stress when he was 16 and so he had like dimples on the back on his back kind of where your kidneys are because mm-hmm. in the 70s that's i don't know what it looks like today but that's where like the insertion was so they were super ticklish so i'd always put my little finger in his, his dimples <laughs> in his back um but yeah and so so he wasn't wasn't the healthiest growing up but after the kidney transplant and i've learned a lot more because being seven like that was 21 years ago and i i mean i have memories but it's like i didn't know who my dad was to Mm -hmm. the extent of as i'm sure like as an 11 year old it's like you don't know who your dad is as to the extent of you know someone who's in their 20s or 40s or wherever you're at in life it's like Mm -hmm. you know them you know you remember them more and, uh, and so I've done a lot of looking, but when he had a kidney transplant in, so it would have been 1974, at that time, they were only at a g- good, good transplant would last seven years. And then it would reject. Okay. And he, when he died, the words of my mom is he died of everything but a kidney tr- failure. Wow. And so it was, it was 26 years of healthy kidneys and health he had about 25 years of health after that and um and then in 99 he had quadruple bypass heart surgery and then i remember from november to july 99 to 2000 he was in the hospital six different times 
Wow. And so it was just kind of slow. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I've talked to my mom and they did really good at like hiding, not hiding, but doing things to where the, us kids didn't realize it as yeah. much. And they knew. Keeping things normal. Right. Yeah. Just keeping normal things. Like she said by the end, like he had just kind of open wounds that would open and she'd have to bandage and stuff and just because his body was breaking down and Mm -hmm. so you know he wasn't he wasn't big because of his health issues growing up he was five five and round whereas all the epperson men are like six foot and long and lanky Mm -hmm. um he was compact but um yeah so his body just kind of broke down and my mom said that when they got married like they knew he wasn't going to live long Mm -hmm. they didn't know how long but he wasn't going to live into old age Mm -hmm. and so um yeah no so the fourth of july was the last day i spent with my dad oh wow and so some years it hits me where i'm like i love this day some years i'm like (laughs) i hate this day this is stupid because we had our church's fourth of july party and then he uh he wasn't feeling good so he didn't come back for the fireworks that night. Mm-hmm. Like mom took us. And then the next day we took him in to the doctor and it was like, okay, well, we're going to check him in for observation. I guess he had to go into surgery. I've just found this out in the last year. He had to go into surgery. So his last words were to me where he hugged me, said, I love you. I'll see you soon. And that was the last time that wow. I saw my dad alive. And so apparently what happened is my mom took my sister and I home to go to grandpa and grandma's and get clothes because she was going to come stay the night at the hospital. <clears throat> and in that time, it was about 45 minutes home from the hospital and back. In that time, he crashed on the on the operating table and never regained consciousness, basically. Okay. So he was immediately into ICU. I didn't know that part until last year, mm-hmm. um, but immediately into ICU. And so, yeah, so then begin the weight process you know and i have i've thought through it but it was that was july 5th and then 6th 7th 8th 9th 10th you know things were up things were down things but he's he wasn't talking Mm -hmm. but my mom made a quick decision to not let my sister and i see him that way which i'm super grateful for um my sister has had to work through some of that just because she was older. She was nine, had a different relationship, you know, mm-hmm. girl relationship versus guy relationship, completely different with your dad. Yep. You know, and uh, and so then on July 11th, I I don't know if the word got out that like this is like call the family. This is going to be the day mm-hmm. because we had so many people in the hospital room, like hospital waiting room. And I just remember like the ICU doors were right there. And I just I, my mom kept going in and going out. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, I just want to barge in those doors. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't. And so there was a guy from church who had been like with my family and um, been a part of like my, my dad was an elder at the church. And so all of the leaders of the church had a had a small group. And so this guy was one of the small in the small group. He was one of the leaders of the church. And he just came and sat with me the entire time. And I just never let go of him. Wow. And uh, and then, yeah, then he ended up passing away sometime in the afternoon. And I just remember, like, I just couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And my mom, strongest person I've ever met or ever known because she handled me as a 
Crazy <laughs> she grew up crying. with you. <laughs> yeah, she handled me, and then you know that day she really handled me really well, and yeah. So I mean, I remember it, and then that night, like kind of, kind of like I just want to go to school, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that night I went home with my aunt and uncle, and she, my, well, my aunt took us to my grandma's house, and then like the whole family was going to get together that evening, of course, and um, I just. I remember it was the day of the Major League Baseball All-Star Game in 2000. They were playing in Atlanta, and I can tell you so much more about that game that I remember <laughs> from that day because mm-hmm. I just went home, I sat on the couch, and just watched baseball. And it was just like my uncle, who does not do anything sports-wise, took me outside and threw me the ball so I could hit it. And, oh, wow. yeah, I mean, that whole whole week and whole month, whole year really is just a blur. Yeah. But, yeah. So long story short, you know, I mean, that's, yeah. I just remember not being able to, the last image that I have of my dad was my, we, we didn't do open casket funerals. Mm -hmm. We did like memorial services. Um, but I never, like, I didn't see an open casket funeral until I came here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're famous for those. (laughs) I'm okay with that. Um, but my grandma was really big on saying goodbyes in the hospital room. Mm -hmm. And so we all went in and it's my grandpa, my uncle, my grandma, my mom, my sister, and I. And so I'm, I think I made the guy from the church come in with me. Mm-hmm. And so we're standing there. And I just, that's the last image I have of my dad was no oh. tubes, nothing. So I'm glad I have that image. Yeah. But still kind of, I mean, it's weird, you know. Yeah. There's your dad without any life. Right. And oh, so. yeah. Yeah. So speaking of open caskets, my dad came to visit us right before a storm came in 1997. And I remember him coming into the school and we were talking out in the hallway. And he gives me a hug and he goes, well, you can't come see me anymore because I'm not going to be home this weekend. And I thought that was a really weird <laughs> mix of words. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm 11, whatever. Um, and so it ended up that during the middle of that storm, he was trying to get out to my grandma's house and he got stuck oh, on no. the road. And instead of staying in his vehicle, he got out and walked. Oh, wow. And walked a quarter of a mile, just probably five degrees off to the north. Yeah. And so ended up in a slough and he froze to death there. Wow. So um, it was really interesting. I remember my mom coming home and I'm like, it's not Friday. You're not supposed to be home from work yet. Yeah. And so when she had told us that, I was like, okay, I just need to go. to. So I'd been in home at home with our stepdad for an entire week we were all snowed in the people in town had electricity and no water we had water no electricity <laughs> so <laughs> it was really weird yeah and um i just i remember i sat around in my room for a little bit and i was like i cannot sit here and do this right. can't do this and so um i went to school that day and which was probably not a good idea um because it was such a small school. I had eight people in my class. (laughs) So they were all, all oh yeah, they were all over. Um, And I'm not a huggy person, but everybody wanted to hug me that day. (laughs) Um, But uh, the next, the following week, his his death certificate is signed January 9th is when he died. Um, We're not sure if that's actually the date, but his funeral was on January 16th. Okay. And we have open caskets. Oh, yeah. And so that was the last 
that's the last image I have of my dad yeah. is laying in the casket. And I touched him, but before then I had this really big fear of if I touch him, is he going to stand up? Yeah. <laughs> like sit up and like, so yeah, I have a little bit of, of horror memories, horrific right. memories yeah. on that one. But And for me, I was, I was praying for that. Like, I was like, man, if I reach out and hold dad, like, is he going to wake up? Right. You know? I, I mean, was, as I'm sure, you know, like yeah. it, it could be a fear of like, well, this is kind of jarring. But, <laughs> yeah. There but, was a part of me that wanted him to. And yeah. then there was a part of me that was like, please don't. Cause I know what happens when you die. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and my mom has shared with me that like, it was, and I've heard this from other people. Like, it's interesting. Like when like someone who normally it's like, your life partner, like your wife or whoever, if they, when they walk into the room, like people's vital signs get better. Mm -hmm. And so like that was happening all week. Whenever my mom was in the room, his vitals would get better and stuff like that. And so, I mean, we have a whole, whole church and everybody praying for, you know, stuff. Mm -hmm. And my mom, I know that was hard because it's like, and I've heard, like I walked, I've walked with a family through cancer two years ago. And that would happen when he walked in the room her vital signs got better and so it's just like oh what do you do here like how right do you, you know yeah that's that's kind of hard and so so after following yours mm-hmm. like how how were you able like obviously you suffered what are some of the things that you went through because i'm sure we're not the only people in the world oh yeah yeah i mean for me um looking back on it i uh like my mom and I have talked and we're like, I don't think we handled dad's death as well as we could, which is kind of funny because like nobody handles death well. Right. Because no grief is the same. No situation is the same. Like mm-hmm. your dad's situation is completely different than my dad's situation, you know? And as we're talking, like our lives were completely different, you know, Absolutely. like our relationship with Jesus, how we were raised, things like that. Yeah. So all of that plays into how you handle grief, how you handle processing and stuff. And you know, I think for for us, we tried to hit it head on a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, what's my mom going to do? Like, how is she going to handle, one, she has to live life mm-hmm. and provide now for these two kids. And so, um, yeah, so I think the big thing that happened for me was I switched um, from just being, you know, a son to like, I took a huge load on of making sure everybody was okay, making sure my sister was okay, making sure my mom was okay, you know, and mm-hmm. and my mom and my sister had had some difficulty after that, just because of specifically the decision of like my mom not letting us see him, mm, yep. and so it kind of shut shut their relationship down a little bit. Um, they're great now, like they're really good friends and stuff, and work really well together, but. Um, just because like, again, different, different things. And, and again, looking back, I'm really glad I didn't see my dad with tubes and stuff. Yeah. Um, but in that process, I was really kind of the glue holding our family together. So I was my mom's confidant as much as a, you know, kid can be. And I was my sister's. And so I was, I didn't realize it, but I was like, here's here's my sister over here on the left here's my mom over here on the right here's me in the middle like pulling together so you were already fulfilling your pastoral duties yes (laughs) which i wouldn't say is the healthiest thing for a seven-year-old to do (laughs) probably not (laughs) but i do you know and and so 
So just, I think in that point and throughout my life, I think I've struggled with people pleasing, making mm-hmm. sure everybody feels, you know, which is good to an extent, Yeah. but it's when it gets in the detriment of yourself, then it's... When it becomes I, your identity. Yeah, when it becomes your identity and it holds you back or pulls you down, then it's not good, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that just wasn't taught to me because how do you do that like you know and so yeah so that was a big thing another thing that we had to reconcile with is as my dad was sick so much we grew up in a church that was very i mean biblical but very much like big on healing and and the power of the holy spirit which is awesome like absolutely he moves he does amazing things um but there was a when my dad was going through bypass surgery in november one of my mom's friends had a verse given to her for us, which was um, Psalm 118.17. And it says, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And so we're like, yes, like we prayed that with my dad. We lived that out with my dad. We, My mom got big butcher paper and we drew it and we pasted it over the back door and like drew on it and stuff. And so I remember this and it hung there all year. So from November to July, and it was like, well, wait a second. Like the word was, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And then we have to come home and look at that after he died. And so that's really tough for a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old, but a seven-year-old to reconcile is like, but God, like you said, and we believe, and we, you know, you (laughs) promised. Then looking back is like, well, he didn't die in the heart surgery. <laughs> right. And he didn't die, you know. He went when he was supposed to. And that verse wasn't an eternal verse. It was just, but that was that was something that was hard to kind of reconcile. And so, but mainly the thing that came out of it was people-pleasing. And it really pushed me into depression at a young age, mm-hmm. you know, because I didn't have a way to cope and process. Yep. So what about you? Like, how did you handle well, all that? <laughs> well, we didn't do very good at grieving either. So we are a very, like, uh, my family's very close, mm-hmm. but we're not very personal. Yeah. So, like, mom, if she grieved, she did it on her own. Mm-hmm. I grieved in my own you have, room. Because what were your ages? You were 11? Yep. Preston was 13. Okay. My younger brother, John, was six. And then Rosie was four. Well, she would have been four. So she was three at the time. Um, Preston and Rosie didn't get to see dad the day that he came in. So they had no knowledge of anything going on. John, like I said, he was in kindergarten. So his being able to remember a lot of things, you know, and so none of us knew how to how to do this. Yeah. Um, And at that time, we also lived with a stepdad who um, I didn't get along with. Yeah. Um, And so. It was really hard with mom being gone on her job three weeks out of the month and then, you know, not getting along with the the stepdad that I had. And then our family all being like, I don't know. I don't know. We just, we all kind of closed off. And so all through my high school years, Preston and I used to be really good. Like we were best friends when we were little. Yeah. And then throughout after dad died like we drifted apart Mm -hmm. to where i don't even think we had a conversation in four years yeah 
And then it wasn't until after we both started having families and, you know, getting married and stuff, that's when we started being able to talk again. But I mean, we've, we've all had good breakthroughs from that, like, and we've all kind of started talking about it a little bit. Right. It's, it's really hard and it's very awkward. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) To be an adult and talk about this from a child's, from, you know, our last memory is a child's memory. So um so i actually i found i did not have a relationship with jesus so i found external ways to um go through and grieve like i i didn't surprisingly i didn't start i didn't try alcohol until i was like 16 15 or 16 but i mean that was also at the point where i was diagnosed with bipolar oh yeah i'd gone through like I, I was diagnosed depression first, and mm-hmm. then I was diagnosed as anxiety, and then I was diagnosed as manic depressant, oh. and then they were finally like, you're just bipolar. So okay. I'm a little bit of every head crazy yeah. rolled into one, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> depending on the day. Um, and so that was really where I started turning, and I used alcohol. Like, I used it as a good time. I didn't. I didn't get crazy. I didn't, like go out and do weird things i mean my friends like to hunt at night for rabbits but that wasn't you know, i never handled the gun do. yeah and it, we're in north dakota <laughs> it really is like, like i mean yeah that's something we never hunted as high schoolers but that's yeah kids in our community would do that exactly and so but because i didn't like i didn't lean on my family for healing mm-hmm. but my friends they became like my brothers so yeah. i hung out with all guys they were within like one or two years older than me, but they were all my brother's friends. So they took care of me as a sister. Oh, okay. And so like, I don't know, it was, it was without them being there, it would have, I probably would have ended up a lot worse than I was. Yeah. Um, and surprisingly enough, one of my issues now is fear of abandonment. Okay. So that I just recently learned. Oh, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I like to put walls up and I don't like to let anybody in. Yeah. Um, and God is really funny because I have a husband. I have two teenage boys. I have three male animals and <laughs> all of my friends in high school were male. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just surround you. Just yeah. surrounding me because guys aren't going to leave you. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't just a the guy right. thing but i i also think that that reflects back on god's promise too that he's not ever going to leave me yeah so um, oh, absolutely it was kind of really cool to learn that now but yeah probably would have been better if i had started healing 23 years ago yeah instead of a year oh absolutely <laughs> right yeah i mean because it's it's i think we I think the healing never ends, mm-hmm. especially in, I mean, in anything in life, but especially grief of losing a parent at a young age. Um, I I don't know about, obviously, losing a parent at an older age, um, mm-hmm. but to me, I've always been like, it's really easy to, um, to one, either write it off or to be like, oh, you were young, you don't really remember him, you didn't have the greatest relationship with him because you were young, you know? Mm-hmm. But I'm like, no, like, I needed him. Whereas I look at other people, and I've had moments in my life where I'm like, yeah, but at least you got 25 years with your dad. Mm-hmm. At least you got, you know, even like, at least you got 11, yeah. you know? Or, and I'm like, this is stupid. Like, <laughs> losing a p- parent is bad, you know, yeah. no matter what. But I don't think that anybody really, um, I don't think the healing stops. It's yeah. just, are we willing to sometimes hit it head on? 
Right, exactly. And, and I remember for me, um, you know, the church really rallied around me. Mm-hmm. And my dad was a great member of our community. He was an accountant by day. He was a um, he was a, the controller of a of a coffee company. So he was basically like Fun. third in charge. Yeah. So um, yeah, this coffee company was like one of the first. That's what moved us to Kentucky. Was he? It was one of the first ones to like jump into like the mainstream. Um, like specialty coffee at home oh okay so like how like not just Folgers or you know mm-hmm. whatever those ones are the brown can ones and all those but like Maxwell House. yeah like now you can have like here's like a special flavor from Millstone Coffee here's like this yes exactly like they were one of the ones that like first wow like changed the market in that and he he was with them from small to to larger and and then they sold to Procter and Gamble like one of the gigantic mm-hmm. companies and then they started another one and so he worked he was more with them as well and um so he was a accountant at a coffee company by day he was a volunteer firefighter that turned into the volunteer fire chief of the station by night and he was a church elder on the weekend so like he he wasn't like superman but he just like did stuff mm-hmm. that he wanted to do with his life. He lived yes. and declared God's glory. Exactly. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, I got to process that. <laughs> Sorry. But it is true. It's so true. Like, looking back and, like, I last year I reached out to a couple people who you know, I just found their emails, like, his really good work friend um, and his childhood best friend. And it was really cool. His childhood best friend was able to come to the wedding. Oh, wow. Um, and, like, I hadn't seen him in 20 years. But it was just super cool, like to talk to him a little bit and uh but his work friend like called me and was sharing stories about how like my dad was if it wasn't for my dad this guy wouldn't be able to have gone through the trials that he did Mm -hmm. and come out on the other side he also like this guy ended up having like a uh extramarital affair or something along those lines a few years ago and he's like I'm 100% sure that if your dad was here, I would not have done that because he just helped me and built me up and discipled me constantly. And, like, so it was just, like, he had an impact where, like, we had guys from the fire station always over for, like, Bible studies. And, like, he just, like, oh wow, he was just willing to do that, you know. And so it was really cool. And so from that, the church really, I think, saw me as, like, okay, we just, he lost his dad. Like, what do we need to do to help him yeah and so i was really if it wasn't for the church i would not be who i am today because they made sure to raise me plus my mom was a bull in a china shop so it's like if her kids aren't being taken care of she's going to make sure that they are absolutely you know and which is a good thing and so um but i don't think that i fully reconciled with like for me i didn't realize that i struggled with depression to the point of needing to sit down with someone and take some meds Mm -hmm. until was that 2016 december of 2016 so my dad died in 2000 so 16 years later probably 14 years later because i was probably nine when depression i remember like the cloud set in Mm -hmm. and that was just it like I was talking to some friends on online yesterday. We were having a video chat with guys from high school that I haven't talked to in a few years. Some of them I have, but, and like they had this thing that they would call mic mode where like we're all hanging out or something. And I would just like end up like 
really downtrodden, like <laughs> literally just like looking and they're like, oh goodness, what's going on again? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like Eeyore, I'm Johnny Raincloud. And I just sit there and, and for me, I'm like, oh, I'm not depressed. I'm just like thinking. And I'm like, no, I was depressed. And then I go back and listen to the music that I listened to then. And I was like, no wonder I was depressed in high school. Um, but, but I think going back to it is like, you never know when the healing, like you're never going to be done with it. Yeah. But it's... Okay, what layer are we uncovering now? Yeah, and the most important part is is not to let it scar up Mm because I let it scar up, so then every time someone would pick at it, it would start bleeding. Oh, absolutely. And that's like raising kids with a scar like that, like, no. No. That that doesn't work. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You know, you run into those moments of like, okay. And I think I've done a really good job of like, because I'm probably too much of an open book. But I think I've done a really good job at, like, not allowing it to scar, but then sometimes, like, not allowing it to scar. <laughs> like, well, yeah. to the point of healing, you yeah. know? And where I'm like, oh, let's just keep ripping off this. Like, I, you know, and it's like, no, like, you process that. Stop going back to it. Yeah. But it's, you know, keep yeah. uncovering it. I would let mine, I let mine go. I noticed when the boys were probably two and three, like they were still in diapers. And I remember one morning I was watching them play with Danny and I caught myself thinking and being jealous that they had a dad, they yeah. have a dad. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I had a dad at that age too. Like, yeah. Let's just wait and see. Like, you know, and then up until they were 11 and older, I all of a sudden developed this fear that as they got closer to that age, mm-hmm. what if that's a family curse and Danny's going to die? Oh, uh, like, yeah. It was it was crazy, and then and then I find God. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's like, okay, cool. We yeah. can get through this. Yeah, and he's like, it's okay, dear. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think it's similar for me. Where I've had, I mean, I don't have kids of my own, but I've had those moments. Like my whole life, like I looked at people and like, I'll I'll make I make terrible jokes. Like I make terrible. I mean, you know my dead dad jokes. Like I make them terrible. But like I had a friend in college who had a rough relationship with his dad. And I was, I was the jerk that was like, well, at least you have a relationship with your dad. Like, I can't even have a chance to have a rough relationship with my dad. And I'm like, I don't know if which one would be better. But, and uh, the the thing that that I've I've seen is, and you kind of brought up like family curse of like, oh, like is this just gonna happen to Danny? Is this gonna happen? And and it's interesting because, like, there are some things that my my mom walked told us about that her and my dad walked through of identified generational curses in our family Mm -hmm. like long story short and i've kind of found this on ancestry but my great great grandpa um i can't figure out he had three wives one died that was my great grandpa's um mom died when my great grandpa was young um and his sister but i can't figure out if he was married two times times at the same time time? or if he just got married really close to one of them dying but the family story was that out of one of those marriages came a little girl and they couldn't afford to keep her this is around the turn of the 1900s and they couldn't afford to keep her so they made my great grandpa take her to an orphanage oh wow and from that moment on the next two generations didn't have more didn't have healthy children Oh, wow. And so my grandpa was, my great-grandpa got married, had a daughter who died in infancy, 
and then my grandpa was born. And so, and then, then my great grandpa's wife died. And so my grandpa was born and he was healthy. I mean, he was the one that donated the kidney to my dad at the age of 64. <laughs> something you know wow um and so he was healthy but then they had then my grandparents were only able to have my dad and he was sick from the moment he started breathing um and then they adopted my uncle and so for two generations there wasn't full healthy children and if there was there was only one like there was death that followed and so my parents were very upfront and head on of like oh this is something we need to address and identify and so they they worked through it and they prayed and they you know called it out and my sister and i are healthy which freaks the doctor out and they're like what's your family history i'm like well i don't have any history of like this or this or this or this and i'm like oh shoot i gotta include my dad in this which is like family history of everything but cancer and then they're like and i'm like no no like i'm fine like you don't understand they're like well but like and then I, like, explain the history, and they're like, maybe he was just an anomaly. I'm like, well, yeah, that would be the medical term. Yeah, but, sure. You know, yep. sure. But, yeah, so it's kind of funny, but it, it, was, it was cool being raised in a home where, like, my dad prayed with us. And my mom was really intentional of, like, you get to hear the voice of God. And, like, we're going to walk through this because I think even in my depression, like, I had something to go to. You had a foundation. Yeah. You know, and I had people around me who were like, hey, how are you doing with Jesus? How are you doing in this? I had my grandma, like I was just, I just was doing a um, a Bible reading plan with a friend where it was Psalm 23. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and all this stuff, you know, darkest valley, even though I go through the darkest valley. And I remember my grandma teaching that to, I think, both grandmas and my mom. Like, you know, and, and it was built into me to where I got through hard times. By praying, crying, upset, but then also, like, quoting the Bible. So, like, I remember freshman hell week of basketball. I'm just, like, I think the only way I made that team is because I ran and didn't throw up. So, like, (laughs) I was running lines and running lines. Like, we did more running than anything else. Mm -hmm. And the whole time I'm, like, quoting Psalm 23. I'm, like, quoting these things. And I'm, like, I think that this got through. You know, I made it because I was doing these things. And so that was just the foundation I was given Mm -hmm. was, hey, in hard times, where do I go? You know, I go to my strong tower where it says the righteous run into them and they'll be safe. And he was my safety net, which was great. And I don't know, I don't think I'd be here if it wasn't for my relationship with Jesus and the foundation that was given. Like, for you to have made it to where you were before Jesus is a miracle of itself. Right. <laughs> you know, because I think, I mean, and that's why so many people who grow up without a dad end up so far, mm-hmm. you know, just in issues. Yeah. Because it's important. It know? is. It is. But then, and then, <laughs> but then the hope of it too is mm-hmm. that even like we were missing our, our dads, but even that like a relationship with God helps it. I mean, it doesn't, he doesn't erase it altogether, obviously, but um, it's definitely been a good, a good work and healing and moving forward in a healthy direction. Oh, absolutely. Have you noticed? um, So for me, my first probably first three years are always tough just because you're trying to process like, Oh, it's oh, yeah. dad's birthday. It's Christmas. It's mm-hmm. you know my birthday. Like, where are you? You know? And, but then I noticed for probably 
five years like there's nothing like i was just like oh it's july 11th again or oh Kinda it's numb, yep. september 28th is birthday like whatever and then like big events started happening in my life where it's yes. like okay i got my license where are you i made varsity baseball where are you i'm yep. playing varsity football i graduated high school i go to college i'm trying to figure out females <laughs> like you know <laughs> I, I could mean, use some advice right like i graduate college i move here i start my first job as a pastor i you know all these things and mm -hmm. then obviously like getting married right. building a house having kids like have you noticed like did you ever notice like those moments like hit you hard oh or, i yeah. yeah they still do yeah they still do especially when i look like that was one of my journal entries when i was going through ecclesiastes this, this last month was you know did i harbor any um anger towards my dad mm -hmm. it was like well no, I mean, you really can't. Like it yeah. wasn't, he wasn't in his right state of mind when he died anyway. So you can't even blame it on that. But like, did I hold those against him? Mm -hmm. Like the, he didn't walk me down the aisle. He right. didn't get to see me at prom. He wasn't there for my graduation. He didn't get to see his grandkids, Yeah. you know, and then, but then it like stems because I'm kind of a mama bear to my siblings. Like he didn't get to watch any of that for them either. Yeah. And so, but yeah, for a while there, it was, why couldn't he be here? Right. But when I was going through that, um, the very first time I started processing this, it was <clears throat> probably about three or four years ago. Yeah. Um, God was, I was talking with God about it, and I was like, why couldn't he be here? And he's like, well, if you can love your dad, who you haven't seen since you were 11, mm -hmm. then how much more can you love me, who you've never seen? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. But will one day. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. So okay. totally changed my <laughs> yeah. thought process oh, on that from like whiner, whiner Joe. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting. Yeah. So, um, definitely like I can see where he's picked up. Like I can see where he was all the way through, but when I was actively seeking him mm -hmm. and how he's helped with the healing. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, I think I'm, I'm all for like diving into things and uncovering them, but like, don't do it without Jesus. Right. Right. Like I know so many people that are like, Oh, I just got to dive into this. And then they end up like blowing up their marriage mm -hmm. because, Rabbit trailing. you know, because they ended up like, Oh, well this person hurt me and I'm supposed to truly be happy. And I'm like, well, happy is an emotion. Joy <laughs> is a fruit of spirit. Right? But like, you know, I'm walking through those things. Like they're a difference. Like don't forget Jesus in the process. Mm -hmm. Process plus Jesus, that's where healing happens. Exactly. <laughs> it's not process equals healing. <laughs> you exactly. have to have Jesus. You know? Exactly. And yeah, I mean, for me, it was just those, those moments of, I remember um, a specific day where it was just like, Let's see, it was it was the first varsity football game. I only played one year of football, and my dad loved football. Mm -hmm. Like, he couldn't ever play, but he was the manager for the football team. And um, my mom actually said that she got into football because she realized that that was the only way she was going to get to spend time with my dad on Sundays. Oh, nice. So now she loves the Seahawks. But um, <laughs> but I was playing football, and I knew it was, it was going to be – it was like our third game of the season. It was going to be the first game where I knew I was going to get – legitimate playing time mm -hmm. and my mom and stepdad were out of town and so i had nobody there yep. and i was just like god like why like i want my dad to see me play football and he's like he's 
I got you covered. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And it was just taking those moments of like, okay, I always go back to that verse of like, you're my strong tower. Mm-hmm. I can run to you and be safe. Because I think like no matter who you are, whether you're a boy, girl, whatever age as a child, mm-hmm. like your dad is supposed to represent safety. Yep. Your dad represents security. You know, my dad was not a big dude. Your dad was. Yeah. But my six five. Yeah. My dad was was not big, not physically strong, mm-hmm. but he was my safety. He yeah. was my security. You know, and so having those moments of like God, be my security, be my safety. Like the verse, another passage that's always come to me. And I feel like when I'm all out of sorts, like God always reminds me. The way that he reminds me that he's with me is I hear just the word peace, be still. Oh, yeah. Like, because the words to describe me are probably not peace. Like, <laughs> or ever. still. Or still. <laughs> like I'm just everywhere. And he he would say those things and it takes you know where jesus stood up in the boat he was in the boat they mm-hmm. didn't have to worry because their safety net was there right but he stood up and showed them like you could speak to the waves yeah i got you peace be still or like be still and know that i'm god like okay those three things like strong tower be still and know and speak to the waves have just been like those got me through so much of being bullied in middle school without a dad and being, you know, mm-hmm. all these just life without a dad. Yep. You know, and and you know, it's really weird that even <clears throat> even though I didn't have that relationship with God growing up, mm-hmm. those three things, yeah, I could still find in my life. Yeah, awesome. <clears throat> even I didn't have a name for them, right? But I had them. Yeah. So that's... no, I think I think that there are there are moments like I encourage people. I don't encourage people to spend too much time looking back. Yeah. Because then you miss like what God has ahead of you. But if you want to have your faith built, look back at where God was through the hardest times. He was there when our dads died. He was there when we dealt with this. He was there when we dealt, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, so if you were there then, that means you're here now. Right. And you're going to be there again. Exactly. So, yeah, but that, that piece, like it's, even like yeah when we don't have words for it we don't know what it is you know sometimes Mm -hmm. like you were saying it's like oh it was there though right it was you didn't leave me you were never gone (laughs) he was there crying with me yeah during the one or two times i allowed the tears the three tears that i had yeah the three tears (laughs) yeah but so like going into so i mean Obviously, your life is changing now again because mm-hmm. you're gonna, you've got a wife now, you guys are getting a house, you hope to one day start a family. Yeah. Like, oh, I, yeah, <laughs> crazy. At the beginning of this year, I really felt like God said, We're going to deal with the father wound. And I'm like, I don't have oh. a father wound because people that have a father wound had a deadbeat dad. Or, you know, that yep. was my definition of like, I don't have a father wound. He just, he loved me. And he would have stayed if he could have. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine. And God's like, yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> and so we began to, like, I, I did a, um, I've done a, a couple men's retreats through a program called Ra- uh, Wild at Heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's amazing. Um, we we partner with some organizations here in, in North Dakota. But uh, that one helped me as well as, like, I was just like, okay, God, like, I don't have an earthly father. I have, obviously, my father-in-law. And I have so many men that I can go to, Mm -hmm. but you're going to have to show me how to be a husband and a father Yep. because I saw it. But how much do you really remember before you're seven? Exactly. Like I remember like flashes 
probably a few flashes of a year of like four years there. You know? Right. Like earliest memory that I can think of, I was probably two and I have like one, you know, so it's like, <laughs> it doesn't really count. Like I have probably, you know, below a hundred flashes of memory in my head mm -hmm. from my dad or even before seven without my dad. And as and we age, they fade. Exactly. You know? And so it's finding those, those moments of, okay, what, what, what am I doing? Right. And I was sitting down with a counselor before the wedding, and I need to sit down with him again. Um, but before the wedding, where it's just I wanted to talk through these things. I was like, I don't. And I found out that I defend my dad, which was weird to me because I don't need to. Like, mm -hmm. he was a firefighter. He was a accomplished accountant. He was an elder in the church. He loved me, loved God, loved his wife, loved his daughter. Like mm -hmm. never did any, like literally people, I was like, I want to know the bad things too. And people are like, we can't think of anything. Wow. We're not just saying this because we're nice. Like, and so why do I have to defend him? And so I was like, but because if you notice and, and you've heard me share my story about my dad, like I'd say, well, my dad died but it was because he was sick and like, you know, he would have, mm -hmm. you know, and really made sure that people know, like, he wouldn't have left if he had the choice. Mm. And, and it goes back to, I remember this one moment vividly. I was playing baseball. I, I played select baseball. Also, I've noticed and uncovered that like baseball has a thousand percent been my escape. Because that was the last thing that my dad and I did together. He helped coach my first baseball team. Oh, okay. And so, like, if you want to know why I love baseball, <laughs> it's because of that. Right? Like, baseball has been there every step of the way because I was able to dive into it. You mm -hmm. know, like, the day he died, what did I do? I watched baseball. I played baseball. That was it. I went you to know? school. Yeah. What do I do now? <laughs> I learned. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and um, I remember this one moment where uh, my – Mom was out of town, so my uncle and aunt and grandma were all watching me, and my uncle was picking me up for baseball practice. And I'd been on this team for two, three years, and my coach saw my uncle, and I never saw it, but at that time we looked very similar. Mm -hmm. And so he, like, looks in, and he's like, oh, are you Mike's dad? And I was like, no. And my uncle's like, no, I'm his uncle. And I was like, I was like wait, he thinks that I have a dad who would never show up to my games? Like, and that just yeah. stuck in my head. And I'm, I'm, that I was makes in sixth, sense. I was in sixth grade at the time. Fifth, fifth grade, fifth or sixth grade. Yeah. One of those. And I just remember like being so jarring of like, I got to tell people like my, I, mm -hmm. and, and I talked to my mom and she's like, oh yeah, I remember that because she, she got to know the coach's wife because all the moms sit in the stands, mm -hmm. you know? And so my, uh, he went home and talked to his wife like do you know like what mike like he just always thought that i had a deadbeat dad and i was like absolutely not i'm never letting anybody <laughs> think that i mean even how yeah. i just was like i don't have to defend him i just listed everything that he did mm -hmm. like i don't even need to do that i want to because i'm proud well, but yeah. at the same time it's like i've built up this like and god's like hey i got it like you don't need to defend him you just oh, you have a dad sense. he loved you he died. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Every dad loves their kid at least a little bit or right. a little bit. It's just we have a culture of hurt from dads to dads to dads. Yep. It's those generational things. Like how are we stopping 
generations of hurt yeah with our generation exactly with our kids with you know and so stepping into this new season i don't know what it's gonna look like (laughs) i'm terrified for the moment yeah i mean it's fun i'm i'm i've walked through like the fact that my wife never met my dad Mm -hmm. or like my kids never gonna meet their grandpa and it's like oh this sucks Mm -hmm. but at the same time like god's done it to this point you know and so exactly and you get to you get to share those fond memories yeah of him with your kids yeah and that's the best part exactly and and like things like people some people knew it but very few knew like i wanted to make my dad some part of my wedding just Mm -hmm. a little bit and like Alyssa, who did our wedding she said you know she mentioned him and people mentioned Mm -hmm. him throughout but like i i wore his badge that he wore for the fire department on the inside of my jacket not to like publicize it but just i wanted him close and so you know it's just a remembering thing and it's something special of just like what are those things i can remember to keep him alive like i love like the memory of him alive and and i yeah, I just love doing I that. Have, I have my dad's cowboy hat hanging on my wall. That's awesome. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have so many things where I'm like, you know, and my wife has been really good about like, oh, this is like, explain to me, like, why do you do these things? Like for Christmas, like, why is this such an important thing? Like this thing you do? I'm like, mm-hmm. well, it's because it was something that I remember doing with my dad. And she's like, okay, let's figure out a way to keep this. Going. That's awesome. You know, things like that of like very welcoming with it good you know yeah. and so that's been super that's helpful. always a plus in the marriage <laughs> right? like, okay we get it you know i can't imagine like being in a relationship because danny's never done that either so yeah i can't imagine being somewhere where they're like um really you're gonna you're gonna tag this along yeah like yeah he's he's never done that either so right did that's... you find like i know we're going long but did you find like how did your identity attach or disattach to not having a dad did you find how was i mean i i know that's probably like a whole nother conversation (laughs) yeah no to put it shortly like um go i just i took one day at a time you Mm -hmm. know all the way through my life and did not really ever think about my identity it wasn't until like three years ago where the very first part where god was like hey we're consciously going to think of this now where the okay. term orphan came into oh, mind wow. he gave me a vision of cinderella i was okay. like i am not cinderella <laughs> oh, you're such a like girly girl yeah like, <laughs> like no <laughs> and he goes no i don't mean you look like her <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't mean you do her jobs but that is essentially what you're equating yourself to be oh, okay i was hmm. like but i have a mom and siblings he's yeah. like but you've walled yourself off from them. Oh, like, okay. It's like, oh, yeah. oh, okay. So, yeah. So then it's been just being able to allow God to tear down that wall yeah. is what it is. So, so 2019, I ended up in, I, don't, I wouldn't call it a midlife life crisis, but what I would call it is like a crossroads between, um, I call it a crossroads between running away Mm-hmm. and stepping in into a new identity yeah um and so i could have ran away and can and continue to be an orphan and continue to be oh, rejected or whatever but yeah. i chose to step into it and form a new identity okay and know that it's you know i'm god's child so but it was yeah. it was a struggle oh absolutely so yeah i mean finding that of like okay 
who am I like mm-hmm. without my dad? Like, I think for, for you, like you, I identify with like, I don't have a dad, but like the way you process was you walled it off. Yep. So like, I think anybody who spends five minutes with me will know that I don't have a dad because it's just like comes out like, oh yeah, I was Mike. Like I don't have a dad. Like it's, you know, <laughs> it's like why is that my identity? And you can live like, five years around me. And yeah, not exactly. Know this. Like I didn't know that for years, you know. Or <laughs> you had mentioned it. I'm like, oh that she must have processed that really well because it doesn't like affect her at all, or like she doesn't, you know. And yeah, but I've done like so much reading and and under and trying to understand. Like we have. We have a pandemic in the world of COVID, but we have a greater one, which is fatherlessness mm-hmm. because identity like for both men and women come from your father. Yeah. The identity for a man comes from the actions that he shows us and the identity of a, a, a woman comes from the words that he gives us, mm-hmm. you know, and so I've read up to 90% of what a young girl thinks about herself comes from her dad. Yep. And Which is why I wanted to be a lawyer because yeah. he'd always talk about how I'm really good at debating. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, and so. and so those things. And like for me, it's like, man, I wish that he was there to show me this or this or this. Like yep. I know so many people that are like, oh, yeah, I go hunting because my dad showed me how. I'm like, well, I don't go hunting because my dad never showed me how. I know how that he knew how, but I was seven. And if you gave me a gun <laughs> seven, we would not have a family because <laughs> I would have been like, oh, hey, look oh, at hey, that. mom, look at this. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so, um, yeah, I think it's just digging into like, okay, who's my identity as like God can restore that. Yeah, like there are moments, but then it's of like, oh, yeah, I want to be a lawyer. I love that stuff. Or like for me, like I love certain things that I like to take of like, oh, this was something that he passed on to me that I didn't even notice. Yeah. You know, like he loved to do like gag gag awards for like the fire department. And I love doing that for the softball team <laughs> or like things like that, you know. And, right. Um, but yeah, it's just finding I'm that finally, identity. Yeah. I'm finally getting to that point where I'm like, instead of a like – I, I used to love to sing in the in the combine when mm, I was really okay. little. I don't sing anymore. Yeah. Or dance. I used to do the same thing. And I've realized that there's a lot of things that I don't do in life that the Bible tells you to do. Yeah. Because my dad died. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so now it's like, instead of looking at it as um, a negative feature mm-hmm. with that, oh, what was me? My dad is dead that I used to look back at it on. Now I can be like, hey, I used to do that with my dad, yeah. and now I can continue doing it today. I still don't dance, but... All right, yeah. <laughs> one thing at a time. Yeah, one thing at a time. Next yeah. year we'll try dancing. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, yeah, you got any any parting thoughts for anyone? or? Um, I, I would say, like, honestly, like, with your comfortability, obviously, but, like, be willing to open up. Yeah. Like, even if it's just to one person, um, I like I said, I'm probably too much of an open book sometimes, but, like, being willing to talk it out. And not just some random person. Like, if it's a counselor, like, go to a counselor. Yeah. But, like, make sure that they're, like, godly-based people um, who can point you in a direction of, like, yeah, but this is what Jesus says. Or do you remember what Jesus says? Yeah. Um, and that's not just with, like, fatherless issues. But, yeah. you know, even if you do have a dad, you probably have some father issues. Right, um, yeah. But, like, just, just issues of life in general where it's like, okay, I'm struggling through this. I think that we've done a disservice in the church and in culture, especially towards males, of, like, you can't talk about it. 
Yes. And, and even towards females of like, oh, you're emotional, which I know doesn't necessarily describe you, but like <laughs> you can't talk about your emotions. Yeah. And guys, you can't talk about your emotions. Or girls, you're being hysterical. Guys, you 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 have an emotional issue. Like you can't mm -hmm. talk about these things. And I'm like, no, talk about them. Don't let them run your life. Yeah. But talk about them. You know, emotions are engaged. They're not our rules and they're not truth. But sometimes they tell us that something's up. Exactly. So what do I need to address? You know, and so for me, it's it's those things of like, okay, who am I talking to? Like I have certain people who know way more than other people know about me. I'm, I try to live open, but I do have people where I'm like, okay, I can go to you with everything. And I know like it's not going to get out to anybody. And yeah. it's just... You know, event. trustworthy. Yes, you don't need hundreds of those, but find a couple. Yeah, find you one know? or two. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and and then go to Jesus. Honestly, I mean, first you should do that, but you know, find those things. Like for me, it was the strong tower and that peace and that you know, find those things to cling to. I love right now. I've been just loving the the verse in the NIV version of the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. 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 And the understanding of like, we don't jump over the darkest valley. We go through it. Yeah. But he's with us. I still want to change that verse. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's finding those things to cling to. And then honestly, like make scripture a part of your life. Yeah. You know, because for me, I go back to the verse that says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Was that 119, Psalm 119, 10 or something like 11. that? 11. 11. Close, close enough. <laughs> um, and, and remembering that of, of how often just holding on to Scripture helped me through this situation. Yeah. Even if it's as ridiculous as trying to run a set of lines during basketball tryouts where right. you're about to pass out. You know, or it's as big as like your dad's going into heart surgery and you're scared. You know, finding those things of just dive into scripture mm -hmm. and talk to people. Those are kind of my big things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Would you like to pray to close us out? Yes. So, Father God, we thank you for today and this time that Billy and I have just had to talk and kind of share our stories and how even though um, I was conscious that you were there, God, you were there as Billy went through the situation of losing her dad and growing up without him and, and me as well, God, and I just pray that for anyone who's listening, that you would just give us hope, give us peace. Um, God, we know that you are with us and we're so grateful for that. God, we thank you that you've been with us from the beginning. And as we know, you were the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you were with us, then you're with us now and you're going to be with us tomorrow. And so I just give this time to you. Um, God, we're just so grateful that in you we can find our hope, our identity, our peace, and uh, our strength to keep moving. And so we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, thanks for talking with yes, us, Mike. thank you, Billy. It's All right. fun. Right? <laughs> okay, bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the 5Gen Podcast. See you next time. Thank you.